Welcome to the Lowdown. Hi there, it's Alan Mitchell. Hello, we're back on the radio. Sports 1440, today's show. A couple of things that are major I want to talk about. Uh, I've seen the future of the Edmonton Elks. His name is Trey Ford. He is real. Outstanding. Plus, the Edmonton Oilers made an analytics hire. Thought that maybe I'd missed that. No way. It happened earlier today. There's no way the Oilers waited until I hit the airwaves to announce it. But if you choose to believe that, I, I will not... I will not stop you. We have two hours of fun for you. You can reach us at sports1440.ca, iHeartRadio, Radio Player Canada, and of course, just driving around on 1440. This was the first radio station I ever worked at in Wintasquin. I parked at the Dreard Hotel. I walked around front to the old post office building. I think they had like a pool hall or something. I can't remember now. It was a long time ago. And walked upstairs, and that was how my radio career began. And I've enjoyed every minute of it. And I'm really looking forward to being a part of this fantastic congregation of really, really good broadcasters and sports-driven people. You can text us, 833-401-1440. That's 1-833-401-1440. Also reach us at Low Tide on Twitter and at Declan Kruger on Twitter. Declan is my producer. You may know if you listen to the lowdown a long time that the first day for a producer is kind of being in the hot seat. We're going to ask him a lot of questions a little bit later on today, and we're going to find out some answers about him. Just kind of give you a personality profile of Declan. Find out where he is, how old he is, his social insurance number, that sort of thing. That's coming up later on today. The lowdown is brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, but same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street, Stony Plain Road, wolfgmc.com. Doug and Mary. They've been hanging around listening to radio for a long, long time, and they love sports radio, and we love them. Okay, this is a three-way deal here. There, I'm going to talk about sports, I promise, but there's a few things I really want to get into right away. And... I think it's important, so I'm going to make you listen to it. It's a three-way deal between Stingray, which is a broadcast business, Jason Greger, and you. So I'm going to say this a lot, but I want to say it right off the hop. Support the sponsors. Support the folks who are bringing you this show and all of the other shows that you're going to hear on this radio station. It's very, very important that you do that. Patronize is a word that can mean a good thing and a bad thing, but we want you to patronize our sponsors. Please and thanks. We're going to entertain you for two hours every day, Monday through Friday. And what we're going to try to do, not necessarily accomplish every day, is to make it really difficult for Jason Greger to come on. That's a hot show. We got, we got to do better than low tide. Now, he'll do better than low tide, but we want to make it difficult for them. So we'll do that today and every day. Uh, Producer Declan, do you want to say hello to anybody? Is there anybody special you'd like to say hello to right now? Well, listen, my family was very excited for me when they found out I was going to be working with an industry legend such as yourself. So I guess to all my family members (laughs) listening who were uh, singing my praises, I say hello to all of them. Happy to be here, but uh, can't steal any shine from the man. So I will let you get back to it. I'm just saying you're a good liar. I didn't, you know, just slid that right in very smoothly. Our guest today, Rachel Dory from the Hockey News. Uh, Rachel is, I'm a fan of her because she does a lot of work in an area of hockey that I really enjoy. Uh, She looks at prospects before they're drafted. She has a model to identify via math the most likely players to have success long term. She was a big fan of Bo Akey, who the Edmonton Oilers ended up drafting. She had him just outside the first round. So we're going to talk to her about that. She also has worked in the hockey industry. So 
to give you an example, she's worked with New Jersey, she's worked with the Canucks, and she would have knowledge of how much more information they get on the other side of the wall. Uh, you know how I'll, I'll talk to you about natural statric or puck IQ. Well, she would have known those on a public level, but when she went behind the wall, she'd know a lot more information than there, than we would know. So we'll talk to her a little bit, about, not necessarily specifics, but how much more and how how big a pile of data is there. And the reason that might be important, because part of our conversation today uh, with Rachel and others is going to be with regard to what the Edmonton Oilers did today. They hired themselves a couple of people, Noah Siegel, named the club's video coach, and Mike Finelli has been hired as video uh, and coaching analytics coordinator. And I did talk to some folks who are way more knowledgeable about analytics than me, and they say he's a good hire. Uh, feels like this is a guy who, who probably is going to hire a couple of more people, but he did some, some data work with the Tampa Bay Lightning when he was there. He also has worked with some kids in the USHL, done a little bit of everything, and he'll want to hire some people with a data science background. Do you have any of that in your background? Data science? Yeah. No, I was never smart enough for that. That's why I'm sitting over here. If I was a data scientist, I think things would be looking a lot differently. Were you were you good in science? I was I was I was okay at math. I was never a great science guy, but I feel like data science is Aren't science and math kind of like you know related? Thing? There are crossovers. I mean physics, physics right. and chem to a degree. Sure. Those are both have aspects of math, but I mean as far as as far as biology or anything like that went, I was that was never my forte. I was very good at phonics. That really mm. was excellent for me. I was very good at that. Bruce McCurdy from the Cult of Hockey at the Edmonton Journal will join us. Uh, Mr. McCurdy, a uh, dear friend of mine, uh, we spent a lot of the weekend together. And we're going to talk to him about what the cult just ended, which is the top 27, I think, countdown, like Casey Kasem of their prospects. And Xavier Bargo, number one. And he went up today. We're going to talk about McCurdy, about how long he thinks it'll take for Borgo to get there. Also, a little bit about where we think the Edmonton Oilers will land at the end of the roster. Will it be Sam Gagne? Raphael Lavoie is waiver eligible, and he's a fine young scorer. Would they risk putting him on waivers and losing him, say, to the Montreal Canadiens? One of the things we're going to do every day on this radio station between noon and 2 is rumors. Today it's NHL rumors, but we're going to have rumors about every league, every area, say the Jays at the deadline, and uh, talk to Jason about it. I really think we can fill that up every day. If not, we'll just make stuff up about Declan, which I think would be possibly more entertaining. Well, it's easy. I mean, nobody knows me, so the possibilities are endless. You can say whatever you want, and anyone will believe you. We're going to do a, a question, a Q&A here a little bit later on you, but but you are, one thing that, I know we, we've worked together before, but you have a background in some things that I'm not, you know, like, you know, MMA really well. Yeah. MMA is MMA and boxing combat sports in general are kind of my forte. I found a real niche there and ran with it. Uh, enjoy both sports. Happy to bring those to the Edmonton airwaves if I get the opportunity. Sure. But yeah, it's one thing that, uh, I just really liked. I really, I really found a passion for, and it didn't see too many people talking about it. So I thought, Hey, if I can, uh, if I can learn this and run with it, I'll be in good shape. And you're a fan of Syracuse basketball. I Syracuse it, basketball. Yes. The orange man, or just the orange. I just, all I know is Jim Beheim. I, I mean, I, that's all I know is him with his tie and crinkling it. And he did love to crinkle his tie. He loved yeah. to get upset too in those uh, ACC <laughs> matches versus Coach K. He got pretty fired up in a couple of those. But they had some, you know, Carmelo Anthony went there, probably their their star child. Tyler Ennis, who was a Canadian and was the thirteenth uh, pick in the draft, uh, 
back Ta- in 2015, I believe. Tyler Ennis, the basketball player, drove me nuts. Well, Tyler mm-hmm. Ennis, the hockey player, was playing yes. because I do. Uh, I'd go. I need to write something on Tyler Ennis, and I'd type in Tyler Ennis, and the basketball would come up. See, and for me, it was the opposite because at any time I would want to talk about Tyler Ennis, people would gravitate towards the hockey player, and I'd be like, No, no, I'm talking about I'm talking about Syracuse basketball right now. The problems that we have. Okay, I want to talk about the Elks, and we will throughout the day. And tomorrow we have Matajong, right? What twelve twenty tomorrow? 1220, he'll be joining us. Yep. And who's our other guest tomorrow? He's a big, big deal. He is a big deal. You might know him playing Apollo Creed in the Rocky yeah. franchise, Carl Weathers, I the man himself, a legend, wait to a talk. true legend. And he's coming to, uh, they don't call it Comic-Con, but he's coming to Comic-Con mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of the month here in Edmonton. All right. So the, the Elks had a, a, I thought, a great game. And they collapsed, and that's fine. But you look, they're not going anywhere. They're not going to make the playoffs this year. It, it, I mean, I don't even know if Calgary is going to. They, they've really got to get in gear. Uh, Saskatchewan won again on the weekend. What the hell is going on there? And so now we're looking at next year. But of all the things you could hope for, of all the manna from heaven that you'd like as an Elks fan, an actual quarterback, and he is, I mean, he's fast, and he can make people miss. And if I make a list of guys who can run as quarterbacks in the Canadian Football League from my lifetime of watching the game, I can come up with a bunch of them. But Glenn Suter on the broadcast yesterday mentioned Doug Flutie. Now, let's not go crazy, but he did mention him. And he is mobile. He's fleet. He can throw. I don't don't know what he was doing on the last play of the game, but that was wild. You got to throw it deep, and he didn't, uh, which is too bad. But, you know, winning and losing for the Elks this year, not as big a deal as it'll be next year. And I remember when Chris Jones drafted Trey uh, for it, he said, you know, this is a guy who has – uh, he's an athlete. He's got great athletic ability, going to take a little time. And that's what's happened. But, man, he looks good. Jays are 11-9 and nine in the last 20. Half a game out of the final wild card spot. Vlad needs to get hot. His home run and slugging percentage from a year ago is way down, and it's really down from two years ago. And I know there was some weird years in there with the pandemic and everything, but he's, he has to hit Mondo home runs. He just has to. And he can do it. I, I love him as a player. The only thing I didn't ever like about Laddie was when he was playing third base. But they've got a good, they, they have to make the playoffs. There's just too much there. And if they make the playoffs, they've got a starting staff. They've got a great closer. They've got enough bats in the lineup. I, I continue to get enraged by the Jays. They're always trying to get another bat in there. I love Bichette, but not where he plays positionally. And I get how difficult it would be to move him out of, out of where he is. But you give up runs and important runs when there, there's there's wood and there's leather, and you need both of them. And the Jays are like the the Los Angeles Dodgers are the worst at it. But the Jays have a little bit of that in them. Sometimes if you you have a shortstop who's hitting 260 and not a lot of power, but he can get that deep ball in you know heading to the outfield and make the the throw across his body. That's worth a lot, and I think the Jays, at some point, they're going to have to move Bichette down the defensive spectrum like they did with Vladdy, and that might be as close as this winter that they make a move. Nobody has mentioned this. People keep telling me online. They keep texting me like it's my fault. I haven't been on the air since June, so I'm going to try to make a, a very wrong thing right in about 90 seconds of verbal 
And here I go. Canadian men's basketball Olympics berth is a big deal. Wow. Going to Paris. They beat Spain. Great, great country. Despite early foul trouble. And they're in. They have already qualified. Now, there are other opportunities for teams to qualify. But Canada's in. It's, it's, it's massive. Partly because this nation has been producing really good basketball players for a long time. But sometimes those players didn't want to play. Uh, there didn't seem to be a program that worked And right now, if you're a basketball fan in this country, you have to be feeling very, very good. From the text line, by the way, it's 1-833-401-1440. That's 1-833-401-1440. Thanks, Low Tide, for support. Message from the sponsors. We're pumped to be a small part of a big community. Electrical Wholesalers Edmonton Limited. Dave, you bet, Dave. Come on now. And But make sure you go. Make sure you go. I love the enterprise. I love the entrepreneurial spirit of this radio station. There's a real Edmonton feel to this. And I think it's going to go. But we need everybody all hands on deck. Low Tide, beautiful to hear your voice again. No longer will I have to sit and listen to the faint, st- <laughs> staticky reception of 960 to heck with that noise some from rob well thanks for tuning in we appreciate it and just so you know first day we're we're just kind of getting used to the equipment and that sort of thing so we'll we'll smooth it out i don't know if we've made any mistakes yet is there anything anything blow up yet i think we're flying nothing on the text line so i think we're doing no calls from the brass we said a bad word i said uh i think hell and dink i can't remember what i said but i think you've been okay i've definitely right. been clean i've okay. been watching myself you know i can't have you staring up staring back at me like i did something wrong so i've been best behavior so we're going to talk about ptos today with the Edmonton orders too because i keep getting dm saying that nolan patrick is under consideration i never know with people people like to send me rumors i had a rumor in 2003 when i first started the blog that mike babcock was going to become coach of the oilers it has never happened so i sort of I sort of put them aside and I go, well, wait a minute. Why don't we hear from Bob or Jason or Rashog or whomever? But that would be interesting. I don't know if he's going to play. That's the other thing. Hallelujah. LT is back. See, I love this. This is awesome. You knew I'm you were loved. just going to read all of these. You knew you were loved, but did you know you were this loved? You know, I, I, what I will say is this, and I, I was talking to a friend of mine in the building 20 minutes before we went on the air. I think the key was I got my blog out before everybody else did mm-hmm. in 2003. Certainly before mine. Right. Well, before you were born. <laughs> Basically. Uh, so that has given me a leg up on just about everything. But, um, but yeah, I'm really excited. I got I to gotta say... As late as I would say early July, I didn't think I'd be doing this. I was looking at different careers. <laughs> Everybody should be very happy. Whatever industry I was going to get into, I probably would have set it back for 20 years. But this came along very, very quickly, and I'm delighted to be a part of it. All right, Rachel Dory on the way from the Hockey News. We're going to talk about prospects and identifying them early enough to draft them. She's an expert in the field, and we're looking forward to the conversation. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. First day back for a lot of kids. Uh, Others in my neighborhood, they were going Thursday, Friday. Be careful out there. Uh, Put your lights on. It felt like fall today. It really did. And... It was summer not that long ago. Got to be prepared for it. Uh, do you like Halloween? Are you a big Halloween fan? Love Halloween. 
Oh. I love the whole fall season, but Halloween has historically been one of my favorite holidays do ever you, since I was a kid. Do you okay? But do you do dangerous things, things that you would not tell your parents about, or do you do just fun no, things? You know, just fun things. I I'm I'm big on handing out candy. I love to hand out candy. I love yeah. to just watch scary movies. Even when I was a kid, no TPing, no shaving cream. I was a pretty laid back guy on Halloween. <laughs> I took it easy. My kids always want to. They go, oh, oh, we'll do it. We'll do that. We'll we'll hand out the candy, and then they they're gone. They're playing mm, video games. Tricksters telling you. Mm. Inside the house, that's what is happening. All right, we're now joined by our friend Rachel Dory from the Hockey News and Staff and Graf podcast, which is called uh, the, the podcast that gets nerdy and fun. Does that describe you? I feel like that describes me accurately. Congratulations on day one, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Um, so I thought we'd start here. I want to talk to you about some of your articles because they're right up my alley. I love the prospect stuff. But uh, for those who don't know you, uh, you have had a unique career. Uh, and it's not like you're, you know, aged or anything. But you've done, you worked in media and with NHL teams. Uh, a, do you have a preference? And B, did you find out things uh, data-wise or statistically behind the wall that maybe isn't publicly available or available to media? Yeah, so I think to answer your first question, Rob, um, I have found my preference, and my preference is neither. Um, my preference is soccer, and so that's <laughs> something that uh, has been, I mean, it's always been a passion growing up a German. Um, that's It kind of just runs in the family from that perspective, but I will say I enjoy the hockey media side of it. There's a lot of really, really nice people and and so getting to interact with them i found my best friend in hockey media and so from that perspective um i i would say that i like this side of the wall a lot better there's a lot less nonsense um but from a statistical perspective the data that's available to nhl teams versus in the public is truly incredible you have companies like sport logic and staff leads who are data providers, and they do a fantastic job of providing, depending on who they have, um, with statistics, whether it's raw data or actual user interface, that is pretty usable if you know rudimentary math and rudimentary analysis. Um, so realistically, also, anybody could be is, is it hockey. <laughs> Is it a matter, Rachel Dory, our guest from uh, the Hockey News and Staff and Graf, uh, Graf podcast, um, is one of the things that I've been told uh, by people who are uh, still in the industry now and I can't reach them is that that the key isn't the data dumps are massive now, but it's reading the tea leaves that is going to make uh, a team more successful. Do you agree with that? That there, you know, maybe maybe you're getting the data, but but finding the gem in there, finding the the gold is is the key for every team. Absolutely. I mean, you look at it. Uh, all the head coaches um, are not mathematics majors. That's why they're hockey coaches. And so you basically got 30 seconds to a minute to tell them the most important thing that's going to impact the game or the team on any given basis. So it's really about finding pieces of data that are not only going to be helpful, but two, are also going to get the coaches on board and be to trust you so that they know whenever you're bringing them something, it's going to be valuable. And you, you kind of dovetail to my next question, Rachel, because I, I, the Edmonton Oilers made a move today. They hired a, uh, an analytics person long overdue that they would do that. But 
Oiler fans are still plenty uh, angry about the playoff series against Vegas because Ryan McLeod is a, had emerged his line had emerged as more uh, capable than the more veteran line that had Bukestad on it. And so, it, like, how possible, how likely, and how many teams are able to in real time send a message down to the coach and say, "Hey, you've got to ship, you know, you've got to change up here and go with the younger guy, even though he's a, basically two years in the league, he's doing a better job." Is that something that you can know? In real time or do you just have to wait till after the game to figure that out no you can know that in real time you can know that going into a game whether it's different matchup data um different value data there's there's so many different options that you can know in real time and i think edmonton's in the great spot having jeff jackson at the helm i've had so many conversations with him about analytics and how they can be used to kind of help a hockey team in a short-term and in a long-term thing. So I could theoretically get a message to a coach um, in, through a, uh, the radio that they use similar to challenges and things like that. They may not use it, but I can get the message to them. It's a matter of if they make the adjustment or not. So at the end of the day, the sword still rises and falls on the head of Jay Woodcroft. Yeah, amen to that. Rachel Dory, our guest, Hockey News and Staff and Graph a podcast on uh, Sports 1440 and the Lowdown with Low Tide. So let's let's change gears here because I love your work in in with the, the draft picks and you did a lot of really good stuff for the Hockey News down the stretch here and into the draft. But you, you have a model called W5M. So I'm assuming there was a one through four and now we're at five or maybe you started at 20 and you're down to five. But I'm always in, because I do think math informs and I think every year we watch teams draft a, say a Logan Stanley who's maybe a little bit out of order or a Bo Aiki who ended up I think just outside your first round and the Oilers got him later in the second round. So how how long have you had the W5M and how how well is it tracking as these drafts move along? Yeah, so I um, the W5M is relatively new in terms of capability because I recently got access to an API that um, the general public does not have access to. And so it's allowed me to create sort of repository of data that I can pull from and, and make the model from. So I'm, I'm actually hoping to have a website that's searchable so people can go and compare different things. But from a prospect perspective, I did my thesis on inefficiencies in the draft, and I just graduated last year. I think it's like a year ago last week I defended my thesis. And so it's relatively new in that I think I've only been at it for three or four years from a mathematical perspective. But the model gets pretty deep in the weeds. It looks at uh, comparing league to league, playing time, um, geographical impact on how a player develops, geographical impact on how the child develops and the impact that it would have on any elite athlete. Um, Looking at towns, so if you're in a small town versus a, a city of Edmonton or Toronto, you're more or less likely Um, to get the playing time and the development time that you need. And then it takes into account the typical things like size, combine metrics, uh, scoring rates, all of that stuff. And so it kind of all encompasses into this, this model that gives me a projection of what the player's ceiling is, what their floor is, what they're most likely to be, and whether or not there's a high volatility involved in that. And so... From there, I could kind of make my uh, uh, 
analysis off of that. Is there, I, I'm fascinated by that answer. That wasn't what I was expecting, but I'm even more encouraged because I think you're getting really to the heart of matters. Is there a, um, is there something in there? The Oiler fans will be, will remember very well Nadia Yakupov. Uh, and and I, I think there was a cultural, maybe Yasapol Yarvi as well. He was from a, maybe a farm area. Are, are, is that what you're talking about? Maybe just the, the um, ease with which these young people would be able to adjust to what we consider to be a normal hockey environment. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I also think there is a part of it where you need to take into account who they're playing with. So the U.S. national team development program is a great example. If you aren't scoring at an elite level on that team, considering who you're surrounded with, that's a really big concern. And it's something that the model takes into account. Whereas if you're playing in the middle of a farmland, in the middle of nowhere, in some rural area, and you're lighting it up against elite teams and elite competition when you play them, that speaks to your ability to make those around you better and actually impact the game. And so for Yessi Puyarvi, if I'm not mistaken, he played in the Finnish league in his draft year. And while that is a pro league, ideally, if you're playing in a pro league, you want it to be in the SHL or even in the junior league in Sweden, the J20 has a stronger correlation to NHL success than any league in Finland does. Rachel Jory, our guest, Hockey News and Staff and Graph podcast on Lowdown with Low Tide on TSN, I'm sorry, on Sports 1440. I knew I'd do it sooner or later. Uh, so there's so many questions that are flying through my brain now uh, because of what you just said, but I'm I'm interested in when we're talking about a player, like let's say Yesopolya Yarvi, are, are the Oilers, I think, made a mistake. They brought him right to the National Hockey League. That might have been part of the deal to sign him. But from from the point of view of your model, you mentioned the Alsvenskan and the, the SHL, uh, the, the second Swedish league and the big Swedish league. Are we Do we have enough data now to say that they are you know clearly better than Legia? And where would the KHL be? Because it seems like there's, there's a, a quality drop-off maybe from two or three years ago. Yes, so to answer your question in, in really plain, simple terms, we do have enough data. I have, in my repository, I've got 15 years of data and probably close to 4 million data points, which I feel like is enough of a sample size to say I've got enough data. Um, obviously, nothing is absolute, right? We're always trying to learn. We're always trying to improve. No model is the be-all and end-all. I always like to say all models are wrong. Some are helpful. Um, so from that perspective, there is enough to say that the best junior league outside of Canada is the J20 in Sweden. If you are scoring at a particular threshold, you are more than likely to be an NHL player. If you are scoring at a certain threshold in the SHL, you are more than likely to be an NHL star. Elias Pettersson fits in that sort of range, but they have far surpassed um, Liga in Finland, they've surpassed the KHL, and part of the reason they've surpassed the KHL is because the KHL flat out is not reliable. You have a guy like Matvey Michkov who conceivably could play in the NHL this year. At a bare minimum, he'd be a star in junior hockey in Canada, and because he's been drafted and the geopolitical situation that is happening in our world, he is now a healthy scratch. And nobody can make any argument that would say that he should be a healthy scratch. That is extraordinarily silly because the last player to score at his clip is named Alex Ovechkin. So that guy's pretty good. 
Not and bad. And I think, yeah, not bad. I think what we need to do is say, if you're playing and you could score at the KHL level, you deserve to be drafted, but we need to have a consideration of whether or not you are able to come to North America after your draft year, because if you can't, we have to account for some developmental harm. Final question for you, Rachel, and the feedback is very positive. Everybody listening loves you. So let me ask you this final question, and it's about Connor Bedard. I know you've written about this at the Hockey News about he, him being the favorite, uh, and but some significant you know rookies who are going to play uh, this year for teams that are likely going to play them a lot. But my question for you is this. If he stays healthy, is Bedard like an overwhelming favorite, or can one of these guys catch him? If Bedard is healthy... There is value on his line at minus 145, which I cannot believe I'm saying on September the 5th. Uh, he, I would say this, I, I, I'm going to release a model that projects NHL players' point totals this year. Connor Bedard is projected to be over a point per game. He is also projected to be in and around 35 goals. The last time a rookie did that, Matthew Barzell was a point per game. But Austin Matthews and Patrick Laine both scored 36 and 40, respectively, in their rookie years. I think we can all safely say that Austin Matthews became a superstar. Matt Barzell is a star. And Patrick Laine, there's some other stuff going on. But for Connor Bedard to be mentioned in the same breath, to be a point-per-game player like Connor McDavid was or a 40-goal scorer like Austin Matthews was, overwhelming favorite I don't see another rookie getting above 75 points, let alone above 82. So we have to break it there, but I want to have you back soon to talk about the Devils. Will you come back? Absolutely. Happy to. Okay. Thank you, Rachel Dory. Hockey News and Staff and Graph Podcast. I wanted to have her on because she's writing great stuff. Uh, and it's up uh, available now. If you just went through the draft, if you just saw what happened, uh, go read her pre and her post because she's doing coverage and making things, uh, writing things that, that maybe you can't get anywhere. And I think we saw a little bit of a preview of that. Bruce McCurdy on the way coming up at 105. And up next, some NHL rumors you may not have heard about uh, and will be interested in. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. We're back. We were talking. Hallie came in here. You know, he's a Chargers fan. I would like one day. You know, my Eagles won. I don't know if you know that or not, but they won the Super Bowl. I heard I heard that. Yeah. I think and, I even watched the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I suffered a long time, long time as an Eagles fan. Dick Vermeil used to cry after the end of every regular season when he was there. And they made it to the Super Bowl, but got flattened by the Raiders. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, Patriots cheated in 04 to beat the, the Eagles. So I thought I'd never see it in my lifetime. And then they won. I would like Halley, I would like to see him live to watch the Chargers win. And they got a hell of a quarterback there. Well, no one deserves it more than Connor. If there's anyone who should win a Super Bowl, whose team should win a Super Bowl, it should be Connor. I think. And, and, and Justin you're, you're Herbert. a fan of who? Bills. Bills fan. Oh, so we got a bit of a quarterback ourselves. So do the Eagles, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Some good quarterbacks in this, the, this fandom. I feel bad for the Bills because I really like the Jim Kelly Bills. Mm-hmm. And, you know. See, I started with J.P. Lossman. 
Oh. So it's only been up. There was a slight downturn when we went to Nathan Peterman. Yeah. But uh, it's it's mostly only been up since JT. I forget you're so young. You don't remember any of no, this, right? No, I know. Well, I mean, of course I know about Jim Kelly and uh, the four Super Bowl losses, but before my time, I've only seen highlights. Was it wide right or wide left? Do you remember? Oh, I don't. Was it wide left? I, th- I can't remember. I, I thought it was remember. wide right, but I, I have no idea. I'm so, a phony. Right. A real fan would know. There you go. Bruce McCurdy on the way. And in hour number two, we are going to do the Q&A with Declan Kruger. Um going to pick up on some of his skills uh what is well we already talked about his favorite subject but food places he'd like to visit uh, we do this with a producer every time they become a producer i i've had i've been doing this for like 14 years and i had connor halley uh allison curry fred papernick lieutenant eric um tata uramchuk hernan salas Jeff Walker, Steady Talker, and now you. I think you're eight. Wow. Yeah. And they all went on to great things and a lot more money than I'll ever make. Okay. Well, that's, I'm glad to hear that because I was going to say, it sounds like you might be the problem if you're running through eight and 14 years. I I think maybe because they wanted to get away. At first, people are delighted to work with me and then they realize that it's kind of a pain in the ass. It's no picnic over here. Yeah. It's like working with Sonny Bono. Everyone's so, (laughs) does that make me me share? (laughs) I don't know. Our audience will tell you what you are and that will happen. Okay. That's coming up in hour number two. Right now, I want to talk about some NHL rumors that you may not be aware of. Uh, do you remember at the beginning of the offseason, everybody was talking about goaltenders and where they were going to go? Connor Halibuck in Winnipeg, still there. Uh, word now out of Boston Hockey now, they've uh, talked to an NHL executive. Looks like the Bruins will not make a trade. They will keep their goaltending tandem. And my own, I'll give you my own feeling on this because I think it is somewhat Edmonton related. I think Tyler Dello, who now works with the Toronto or the uh, New Jersey Devils, uh, and I think the 76ers uh, as well in the NBA, uh, I think that they have kind of held up the train that was going to be the trade train for, for goaltenders because Halibut to New Jersey makes complete sense. They're very close to a Stanley Cup, but they've got a kid who's not tested, who looked brilliant, and I think it'll be more at the deadline. So the Bruins are, are, I think they're a Stanley Cup contender still. The problem is you've lost two great centermen this year, like in the offseason. Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci are like, that's monstrous to lose that in, in one year. And you, I know they're talking the talk about who's going to slide in, but it's going to be way different. Patrice Bergeron is as close to a perfect player as you can find. 200 feet, he's brilliant and he's gone. So that's going to be tough for the Boston Bruins. Doesn't look like they'll be making a trade. Something that is a, a little bit Oiler-related is Nolan Patrick. Tyler Ennis is in the city. Jim Matheson reporting that he is in contact with some NHL teams, has a slide piece that he could go and do in Europe if, if nothing comes in the NHL. Uncertain that that would ever involve the Oilers. Not certain that Ennis would come back here. But Nolan Patrick is interesting because he's a right-handed center. So you can see the appeal for, for Edmonton. I, I I have heard two things this summer. I've heard that Patrick is just not physically able to play, so it's unlikely that he would, and he might retire or at least uh, spend at least a year away from the game. And then I've heard that, you know, he's one of several players that the Oilers are considering. It's a name out there. It's going to be close. I think we'll, we, we saw it last week. A few players, dribs and drabs, fell to various NHL teams. And is Tatar signed yet? I don't think he has. That is going to be the big one. I don't know how a true Stanley Cup contender to get him on the roster 
with with anything more than like a million dollar contract where you just take it and and try to parlay that into a bigger deal next year. It's a heck, heck of a hockey player. Carl Hagelin called it a career. Phil Kessel wants to play even if he sits, even if that game streak goes bye-bye. He wants to he wants to be the National Hockey League next year. That's a guy I thought the Oilers might look at. If he was having a better year at the deadline, I think maybe they would have looked at him last year. And the Flames and Elias Lindholm contract talks quiet according to Elliot Friedman. The reason that's important is, and you're going to get mad at me now, and I'm not a Flames fan, but I will tell you that when the Edmonton Oilers were at their absolute best in the 80s, the team pushing them, the team that made them better, the team that forced Slats to trade for Nilsson and Routselainen and all of those guys was the Calgary Flames. And so you need them. You need them to be that, that pain in the ass. And the Flames have been these last few years, but they lost a lot. The, the Kachuk trade, the Gaudreau uh, move, that's really hurt them. And they, they signed up to a, a lot for a long time with Jonathan Huberdeau, and they didn't bring Barkov with him. So the Flames are in a little spot of bother, and signing Lindholm could really help them. We'll see how it goes. Uncertain is what I would call it, that that would happen. Welcome back to the airwaves. So happy to have your voice fill my workday. Hope you had an amazing summer and excited for your show to be back. That comes from Rusty. Rusty, I had a great summer. I, I had a hippie summer. I grew my hair long. I was listening to the wild music, Moby Grape and some other stuff, and I went to concerts, I went to ball games, I played Parcheesi. It was wild in the streets. I'm telling you, the police would drop by. I got a new sidewalk. Did I tell you that? You didn't tell me that. You did try to get me to go to a Janis Joplin tribute concert, though, so (laughs) you must have had a pretty crazy summer. Well, I said, you know, you'll lose a piece of your heart is what I said, but there was a problem with my lawn and the tree, and it ended up costing the sidewalk, and and now I have the only uh, curvy... And it is curvy uh, sidewalk in St. Albert in an, you know, in an area of residence. So I'm pretty happy about that. Um, great to hear your voice. Don't go skiing low tide. Okay. Was that, was that in response to anything I said? I think he was just giving you some friendly advice. <laughs> he was just, he was looking out for you. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I have downhill skied in my life and I did not enjoy that. Low tide gets going with the momentum and the torque uh, and it can be a little dangerous. But, you know, what about Maddie? Well, I, what I said about Maddie was that he had reported on Tyler Ennis. And Ennis is interesting because he's got the wheels. Always pay attention to guys who skate well. Like if McDavid wants to play till he's 50, he probably can. He's, gonna, he's never, Cogliano is still playing. Guy has tremendous wheels. Those guys can play. And eventually often they learn how to play defense too like Ryan McLeod he'll play a long time he's already picking up he's he's pretty astute for his age as a two-way player and he can play center and he was dominant in the AHL he carried the puck into zones and out of zones a la Taylor Hall when he was down there you managed to boot Stoffer out of his time slot go low tide from coach Mike that's not what happened that is not what happened. My friend Bob did not get punted uh, by, because of me. That's one of those um, boardroom decisions. You're familiar with the boardroom decision, right? I've been in a few boardrooms yeah. in my day. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, we love everybody. We love radio. So fill your hat and do what's best. But no, I, 
I, I'd love, I'd love for everybody to believe that, but it just was not true. As a great man once tweeted, if you choose to believe that, that's your prerogative. So, <laughs> oh dear, uh, first time ever texting a radio show. Figured if uh, any time calls for it, this occasion would be warranted. Welcome back, LT. Missed you. Uh, hearing you back literally makes my day. Cheers. Well, that's very kind of you. I will tell you that I, I, you know. It's that Joni Mitchell song. It always seemed to go, you don't know what you got till it's gone. I really didn't think I was coming back. And it had been 43 years of doing the same thing. Like I've never really um, had to lift anything heavy. And I've never really had to, I had to get up at four in the morning, but only to drive to work and bitch and moan about how early it was. I've never had to do a real, like my dad worked his whole life. Sawmill, uh, farmer, uh, hack and ties for the railway. These are tough jobs, physical jobs. I've I've cruised through so far, but I was looking I was looking straight at like driving a forklift or some damn thing, which I think probably somebody should step in and say, don't let him handle heavy equipment. It was this or pouring concrete, and someone got in your ear and said, we got to get you back on the air. Pouring concrete, another one. Yep. What's the worst job you've ever had? I've been pretty blessed. I haven't had too many bad jobs. The worst job I ever had was probably just a summer labor job, just... Yeah. I had grass. Uh, I, I didn't. Like I only had a couple of weeks of it, but I had to staple. You know the the stairs and carpeting. You kind of have to staple it underneath a little bit. Pain in the ass, and it hurts your knees. The guys who do that job, when they're forty, they're like football players. The real heroes. They really, truly are. And it must just be so tedious. I couldn't imagine doing that for X amount of time. Pillman says, "I met you, missed Matt, as your producer." LOL. Well, I, you know. Can I do this now? Because I, I, I feel like whenever I read online about there's a there's a fracture or something like that, well, Dusty's not here. Or Look, I, I explained this uh, on Twitter the other day. I'm just going to explain it now, and then we will never speak of it again, okay? Here's what happens. Jason Greger has built up a client list over many decades, and they all join him on the radio. They join him on his podcast, and that is his full meal deal for every one of his clients. Dusty has a different mousetrap. He has podcasts and other things that he does along those lines. So w- the way it landed was exactly the way it should have landed and was, was predictable. There's no animosity. I love Matthew, uh, even though he's a front runner for the, the, the Lakers and the Man U, who, by the way, are terrible right now. I don't know if you've been following the EPL. A little, well, I'm a big city guy, Erling Haaland. So. Oh, so you don't care. You're, you're happy. Not at, I'm very happy to see Spurs this. Spurs are doing well. Yeah, they're doing great. I thought things would go badly when uh, Harry Kane left, but Sonny's going The golden nuts. boy. Yeah. Yeah, son's great. Yeah. Well, he, but Harry Kane's old enough now that he has to go, right? You've got he to, does. Yep. Daniel Levy needs to, needs to make just a few more dollars. Come on now. Poor guy, barely getting by. If you're looking for guys who can skate well, Noah Gregor should be a target for Rusty. I, I think that's fair, but I, 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 I like I kind of got mad in the middle of summer that the Oilers weren't signing guys, like like even to PTOs, but like guys coming out of the CHL who did not get drafted. And somebody said to me quietly, as they do, well, maybe they're trying. And sometimes players don't want to come to a team like Edmonton because if you're like a forward, maybe you think you'll never get there. And maybe you think, hey, I got a better chance with Anaheim or I've got a better chance with Columbus or another team. That could well be the case. Are these guys getting to the radio station? You have to explain that one to me. Congratulations on the new station, Low Tide, to everyone at Sports 1440. Looking forward to having your voices as part of my day again. 
Well, we're looking forward to you listening. Let me tell you that. I know Gregor was here at like four in the morning getting ready for the show. Um, I rolled in five minutes before the show, as I like to do. And I'll roll out five minutes after the show, as I like to do. I can't be held down. I'm a free spirit. I'm a hippie now. You should have seen how long my hair was. It was awful. Al, glad the fantasy camp continue for you. I was worried you might be out there slaving away with our simple, with us simpletons. <laughs> Great to hear your voice. Uh, I had a day finally decided to enjoy his Jameson fortune from Stu. I'll, I'll say this about Jamo. I don't know where he's going, but I would be very interested in where he's going because he's a real smart guy and he can do a lot of things. Um, I have suggested, and nobody, nobody listens to my suggestions. May I make a suggestion? It involves another radio station, but I, I would just say it. I think JMO and Bob would be a great combination. I know they had a couple of gigs an hour or so in the last little while. I don't want to put, I don't want to put any pressure on the rest of us, but I think that would be a really interesting combination. Just my opinion. Will JMO join you from time to time? I'm not sure. I don't know what his plans are. I told him to write a book, and I'd like a ride in the helicopter, and I haven't heard anything from him since. Welcome back to the radio. One of my best birthday presents I've ever had from Marty. Very nice. Well, we're glad to be, we're far more happier to be here than you are to hear us. I think that's fair. I can certainly attest to that, yeah. especially on my behalf. I don't want to speak for you, I mean, but as far as I go. Low Tide, I'm so happy to hear your voice again. One thing, though, we are almost an hour into the show, the new show, and have no expo stories. Let's go. Well, I could tell the Bob Sebra 1987 story where they went 91 and 71, and he went 6 and 15. If he'd just gone like nine and whatever, stupid. But they kept, you know, in fairness to Buck Rogers, he didn't have anybody else to throw in there. That was tough. If you ever get a chance, I'll I'll tell you this. There's a book called Expos Inside Out by a man named Dan Turner. And I was telling somebody this story during the summer. They fell asleep, but I just kept going because I knew they could hear me even though they were sleeping and they were wildly interested in my story, they fell asleep just as a consequence of a long day, not my story. Ron Hunt in that book, he has ripped his knee to shreds. They're in a pennant race in 73. And Gene Mock calls the doctor out into the hallway. And they don't think Hunt is going to get off the table because his knee is shredded. And he jumps, hops, hops, hops over to where he can hear Gene Mock say, how bad is it? And the doctor says, he's done. And Gene Mock says, well, shoot him up and we're going to put him out there tomorrow because we need him. <laughs> and Gene Mock walks away and Ron Hunt's like, what the hell? Right? And that was the end of his career. But he played the next day. And that's why when somebody complains about what baseball or hockey or any sport, what money they make, remember the guys like Ron Hunt and Gordie Howe and they were paid a pittance, and the big money went into the pockets of the owners. So I know salaries are high, but the alternative is that the, the, the players get treated shamefully as they did before my friend over here was born. Are you ready for your big questionnaire? Are you ready for that coming up? Oh, I've been prepping. I've got all, anything, anything you could possibly ask me, I've got it down to a science. I'm going to make some fans today, make some friends today, and hopefully, hopefully I can impress you. Spell rheumatism. No, that can't be one of the questions. Okay. Not even, take a on. break. On the way, Bruce McCurdy from the Cult of Hockey at the Edmonton Journal. This is Low Down with Low Tide on Sports 1440.